We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. The Uncontested Podcast presents Under the Bubble, a special podcast series previewing all 22 teams returning to play at Disney World. We're talking to podcasters, writers, and bloggers who cover these teams to get you all caught up before the NBA is back in action on July 31st. Tune in every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts, for the latest episode in the series. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of BoomtownHoops.com. Back again with another episode of Under the Bubble, our second to last one, guys, because we are almost back to basketball. So this week, we only have two teams for you. Taylor sat down with Garrett Charpening, who covers the LA Clippers for the Clippers SI team site. He also used to work for Clipperholics and hosts the Lock on, Locked on Clippers podcast. And then Nick is joined by TJ McBride. He's a Denver beat writer for the Mile High Sports and the host of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, which is another Blue Wire podcast. So make sure you check him out. Huge thanks to both of our guests. We hope you guys enjoy these two interviews. And next week, we're heading the final two, the Lakers and the Oklahoma City Thunder. So without further ado, I'll get you over to Taylor's conversation with Garrett. Hope you enjoy. Okay, we are now joined by Garrett Corpening to talk about the Los Angeles Clippers. Garrett is a writer and editor at allclippers.com, which is a sports illustrated team site. Uh, he has also been an editor at Clipperholics with Fansided. Uh, wear testers and locks on clippers you can find him on twitter at ga corpening that's g-a-c-h-o-r-p-e-n-n-i-n-g uh, garrett thanks for joining us man we're really excited to talk about one of the best teams in basketball right now uh, that thunder actually have a little history with prior to the season there was a, a big trade that you may or may not have heard of <laughs> that yeah, happened yeah. before <clears throat> um so yeah you know, we're really excited to to talk clippers and, and get your insight i appreciate it thanks for the invite 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the season recap, kind of prior to the, the pause and play, Clippers were 44 and 20, which was good for second place in the West prior to the season pausing. Um, that was five and a half games behind the Lakers, who are currently the one seed, and a game and a half up on the third seed Nuggets. And honestly, that's probably a little low for how good this team really is, um, considering considering they didn't really have Paul George for a large, large majority of the first part of the season. Um, they had won seven of their last 10 prior to the pause in the season, so they were definitely trending upward and, and looking really great. Um, now, injuries heading into the season. Have you heard anything on PG and Kawhi? Um, everything I kind of have seen seems like uh, they're pretty much ready to go and seem to be healthy. Have you heard the same? That seems to be the case, yeah. Uh, Paul George, I think Thunder fans are familiar with this. He's got pretty <laughs> bad shoulders. Um, went yes. under two different shoulder surgeries last summer. Playoff uh, P. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, about a month ago, he came out and said that for the first time this season, uh, he finally feels 100%. He just finished rehabbing both of his shoulders. Um, so I think we're going to see the best version of Paul George we've seen in the Clippers uniform so far uh, once this restart kicks off. And the same for Kawhi Leonard. Well, that's very exciting. Um, and I think to kind of to that point, you know, Paul George was in the bowl immediately. He wasn't one of the guys who was delayed getting there. Um, mm -hmm. He's been, as far as we know, participating in practices. So that's, uh, that's good to hear from, on, on your side as well. Um, Marcus Morris uh, has now joined the Clippers in the bubble and is good to go after he was kind of delayed getting into the bubble. Uh, you guys are still waiting on Landry Shaman, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. He uh, put something on his Instagram story last weekend saying that he's just about finished up with his uh, COVID-19 quarantine. Okay. He tested positive around 4th of July weekend. Um, so I would expect that he joins the team in a couple of days if he's not already there. Um, he's not in practice yet, but he could be in Orlando just, you know, doing the whole quarantine situation. So uh, he should be there soon. Well, good. That's very good news, especially with the um, the very unfortunate news that Montrez Harrell um, had to leave for a family emergency. And mm -hmm. so that means that, you know, as soon as he's on attending to that, that he'll have to um, pass as either a shorter quarantine if he's testing when he's out of the bubble or a week-long quarantine when he returns. Um, but outside of that, that's really all I had. Is anybody else injured? Anybody else um, out with uh, covid symptoms or testing uh, no COVID stuff as far as as far as we know no injuries uh, Evita Zubats hasn't joined the team in the bubble so far uh, but he also puts up on Instagram recently saying he's on his way down so he should be there soon okay well that's good yeah I, I forgot about him um, and I didn't realize he wasn't with the team that's but good that's good to hear that, that he'll hopefully be returning soon so let's talk about some season highlights before we jump into the uh, the, the preview for the rest of the season and, and into the playoffs. There obviously were quite a few of them. Uh, the first probably being before the season with the, the large uh, PG trade and then obviously that getting Kawhi in return um, in free agency. And then, you know, but like you mentioned earlier, Paul George, uh, it took him a little bit to, to round into form and to get healthy. Um, so his return from injury, I think, was really kind of a season highlight. You know, I also put Kawhi's play just because Kawhi's so great and hasn't missed a beat. Um, even when he was resting some throughout this season, he looked fantastic on both ends of the, of the ball. Uh, Lou Will and Montrez Harrell both having six-man-worthy seasons. You guys traded for Marcus Morris, and you picked up Reggie Jackson and Joakim Noah. Um, so do you want to touch on any of those or are there any others that I missed that, uh, that, that have been big highlights for people who cover the Clippers and also Clippers fans? Yeah, I think you about covered the bases there. Um, one of the big things I think that people will look to this season for season highlights uh, was the two big wins they had of the Lakers on opening night and on Christmas night. Uh, both of those games were really special I think, for Clippers fans to see. Uh, you know, so much hype building up to those two matchups and for them on opening night to come out uh, with just Kawhi, no Paul George, the Lakers were fully healthy, and to win that game was a big statement. And then the game against the Lakers on Christmas night was their first game this season with a fully healthy roster. Um, so I think those two games were especially uh, you know, exciting for fans to see. Um, beyond that, there have been some great wins I want to touch on a little bit. Uh, the Clippers yeah. had a few games this season where they scored uh, 150 points, once against Atlanta, once against Washington. So you know, a little... Uh, not so great teams we're talking about there, but uh, still some crazy offense in those games. Um, and then on the, at the end of the season, I guess the end of the um, you know, regular season before this whole thing went down, um, like you mentioned, they did rattle off seven wins in the last 10 games. Uh, some of those wins, I think, in particular were impressive. They uh, beat the Denver Nuggets by 29 points. I remember um, that. That was crazy. Yeah, yeah. A couple games later, they beat OKC by 15, so yep. I apologize for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> beat Houston a couple days later by 15 as well. Uh, that loss in between against the Lakers was, you know, stung a little bit. Uh, and then they closed things off with a 24-point win against Golden State. So, uh, you know, they looked the best they had looked all season long in that final stretch of the year. 
Uh, so hopefully they can pick back up where they left off once this begins here in a couple of days. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think those are great points. I'm really glad you mentioned those. I actually, I was thinking before this, I was like, do I dive into the schedule? Because I know they beat the Lakers a couple of times. And um, <laughs> like you said, I know that that's huge. And um, just the anticipation, even for just fans of the NBA in general, um, the way this off season, this past off season, which literally was a year ago now, mm-hmm. um, but the, how they got kind of everything was set up for the battle of LA between LeBron and AD and PG and Kawhi and obviously all the uh, incredible supporting cast. That absolutely is a, a big highlight. So I'm glad you brought that up. And then were there was there any uh, other organization news during the hiatus? Like nothing with. I mean, we already talked about uh, injuries and healthy players, but new hire staff changes. Um, I mentioned you guys signed Noah to the rest of the season contract. Anything else like that during the, the pause and play? Uh, nothing quite like that. Nothing too big, yeah. Uh, but the Noah signing, I think, was, was pretty big news. Um, Jovan Buha at The Athletic wrote a pretty great story about uh, Noah's journey to the team. And now he was supposed to join the team in September, uh, right before the season started. Ended up suffering a Achilles injury where he uh, actually, I think, cut into the back of his leg there on a, an ice bath. Um, and ended up missing six months rehabbing his injury and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then was eventually able to join the team in March. They signed him to a 10-day contract, uh, and he still hasn't made his debut because the day he signed, uh, he got to go to the Clippers and Warriors again the night after that, and then the day after that was when the season was suspended. Um, so we still haven't gotten a chance to see Noah. Um, like you mentioned earlier, Montrezl Harrell and Zubats aren't in the bubble right now. So I think there's a good chance we see Noah um, make a little bit of an impact in tomorrow's scrimmage against the Magic. So I think a lot of Clippers fans are looking forward to yeah, seeing no, him. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's a, another thing, too. Um, we have NBA scrimmages starting, and, and mm-hmm. you're one of the lucky teams who uh, gets to watch your, your team play starting yeah. tomorrow. Um, so that's that's awesome and perfect timing. <clears throat> uh, we're, we're really excited to, to dive into this. So you, you actually kind of mentioned this a little bit. The team was hot coming out of the break. Um, mm-hmm. But just in general, how did you feel the team was trending as a whole, maybe even outside of those 10, those 10 games before the pause and play? Well, I thought they were doing great. Um, I think... I'm not sure I saw this stat before. I want to say it was maybe from Stat News or something like that. Um, the Clippers had the best net rating in the NBA after the All-Star break. Uh, so obviously they're trending up. Uh, they had a fully healthy roster for those games as well. Uh, and that, again, only happened a handful of times this season. Right. Uh, so the fact that they looked so good when they were actually at full strength, I think it's a pretty promising sign uh, for what's to come from this team in the next few weeks. Definitely. So taking that into consideration... How are you feeling? You know, we talked about scrimmages starting tomorrow and the Clippers being one of the first teams that, that get to that resume play, which uh, is just exciting in general for, for any fan of, of sports, much less basketball or the NBA in general. But um, how are you feeling about your team's eight-game regular season schedule? I guess they're calling the, the uh, seeding games and then uh, before heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Uh, the Lakers match up on the 30th. Um, I think there won't be a lot to take from that, honestly, just because it's the first seeding game. It's going to be a change of atmosphere, uh, only three scrimmages before that. So it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be as great as the previous games in the series. Uh, the rest of the, the, rest of the uh, schedule, though, they have New Orleans after that, uh, Phoenix, Dallas, Portland. Brooklyn, I think, is going to be the easiest game of the schedule by far because of what they got going on right now. Um, and then Denver, and then close out with OKC. Oh, man. So I'm looking forward that, yeah. to that game as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I, you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of history between these two teams. Yeah, so. absolutely. And, you know, we, um, again, and, and every team's going to be saying stuff like this. <laughs> we obviously realize, but mm-hmm. um, a lot of talk internally with the OKC organization during these interviews in the bubble about the kind of a, another leap that Shea's taken, mm-hmm. um, and it, which makes sense when you take into consideration, you know, the, the time off that's basically been like a whole another offseason for him to develop. And then uh, on your guys' side, just getting guys healthy, like that are already extremely elite you know superstars right. and Paul George and, and Kawhi so uh, yeah that could be a really fun really fun game to kind of round things out before the playoffs and kind of gear up and get ready for the playoff for, for playoff play I guess in intensity mm-hmm. um so we've talked a lot about PG and Kawhi because obviously you know the two of the best players in the league but what about some other players uh, that, that you're going to, going to be watching you kind of have your eye on that can really contribute um outside the stars maybe some underrated players like we mentioned earlier maybe some players coming back from injuries is, is there anybody that kind of stands out to you well, I think mainly I'm looking forward to seeing the kind of impact that Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris have. Um, they only played a handful of games after the trade deadline on the team. Uh, Reggie Jackson actually was, a, I think, a free agent pickup. He was waived by the Pistons, uh, so he only played nine games or so. Uh, Reggie was incredible on in those nine games. He shot 45% from three. He was incredibly efficient. Uh, Marcus Morris, on the other hand, after averaging you know, close 20 points per game with the Knicks this season, uh, shot about 29% from three with the Clippers in his 12 games. 
just didn't look all that great. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, maybe how he improves, seeing if Reggie Jackson keep up that streak or if he settles down a bit, which I expect him to. Uh, and then beyond that, I guess just the usual guys. Uh, Patrick Beverly, I'm excited to see how he uh, keeps his energy up despite the lack of fans and that sort of thing. Uh, and the same goes for Montrezl Hill and Lou Williams. Those guys are always exciting to watch. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how you know the role players like that contribute to uh, this team. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> like we mentioned earlier, I mean, Montrez and Lou are two of those guys who have been having like six-man caliber seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that's actually a perfect transition. Uh, you mentioned some of these guys. Um, you're kind of curious to see how the lack of fans will affect them, um, especially guys who can get hot like that on, you know, in like a minute's notice. I think they do kind of ride some of that fame momentum, um, mm-hmm. guys like that throughout the NBA. And so how do you think the lack of fans and even the home court, obviously with the Clippers being the second best seed in the West, uh, there, there won't be any really benefit in terms of home court advantage uh, this go around? Do you think that's going to affect the Clippers and some of their players? I think it'll at least make an impact. I'm not sure how much of a, a deal it's going to be. Um, but I think, like you mentioned, there are guys like Patrick Beverly and Montrezl Harrell. Those guys definitely play off of the energy in the crowd, uh, whether it's hostile or it's supportive. Um, so I think that's going to be a big difference for those guys. But I also know that they can make their own energy. They can hype themselves up at their teammates up and that sort of thing. Um, as far as the home court thing and the fans goes, though, it's interesting. I mean, I think it'll make somewhat of an impact. I just don't know how much of an impact it's going to be. And I think the fact that it's not just the Clippers with no fans, it's no fans in general. So it's like a totally blank right. slate for every team. Right. It'll be interesting to see who adapts uh, quickest to that sort of situation. You know, I've been, I've been hearing uh, quite, uh, not, I shouldn't say quite a bit. I've heard a couple different times now. I think I, it was actually like the No Dunks podcast on The Athletic who was talking about it most recently, and I had heard it uh, a little bit before that, but kind of talking about how some of these, it, it could actually be a little more of an advantage for some of the higher, uh, more elite teams like the Clippers, for example. Say you're playing against a, a lower seed, like you guys may get match up with the Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Well, the Mavericks could go back home to Dallas and ride some of that momentum with their fans. The next thing you know, they steal a game or two. Right. Um, where in this case they could just you know lose three straight and they don't really have much to fight for anymore. There's no fans. They aren't going back to Dallas, and so mm-hmm. next thing you know it's a sweep. So it, it, you're right. It'll be really interesting to see kind of which teams respond and, and how they respond. Um, so it's interesting to hear your take because a lot of the people we've you know we're kind of saving the best teams for last on this season preview uh, series that we're doing, and um, a lot of these teams, a lot of the people we, we've been covering, they're like oh, I don't think it'll really affect my team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's nice, yeah, nicer. You, you be honest. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the lack of fans. Do you think any players really benefited or suffered because of the shutdown quarantine? You know, we've, we've talked about injuries as well, but even just from a, maybe like a hot or cold standpoint, um, were there any players that are playing really well that maybe could have cooled off and uh, they need that momentum or the, the complete opposite? They were cold, need a break to kind of get their, their uh, selves back together and we could see them come out and playing well. Well, I think the biggest thing to touch on here is that the fact that I don't think there's a team out there that benefited more from this break than the Clippers. Um, because, like I said, you know they only had a handful of games this season with a fully healthy roster. The fact that they could all get right during this break and all get healthy and get to a point where they feel like they're at playing shape again, I think is a huge thing. Uh, as long as they stay healthy, I think they're going to be the favorite team to win this whole thing. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, if they can, you know, set the top of their game like that. Uh, but players that you know maybe needed this break, uh, I think Marcus Morris is one because he was so cold and was having a hard time. It seemed like fitting in with this team, at least on offense. Um, I didn't think he totally really bought into being not the first option anymore. Um, obviously, he was in New York. He was yeah. terrific there this season. I was going to say, when you're in New yeah. York, you're like, it just kind of becomes habit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was fantastic <laughs> in New York this season. Yep, but right. now he's alongside Kawhi and Paul George, and he's not going to be the first option. He needs to be someone that can move the ball around instead of just taking a shot every time. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how he adapts and changes with that lineup. And then Reggie Jackson as well. He was someone that was you know red hot before this uh, break happened. I want to see if he continues that or if he starts to trend down a bit like I, you know, I'm expecting him to. I hope he doesn't because he was looking fantastic. Um, but that's just, you know, I think it's one of those yeah. things that's going to happen. Well, I mean, you're exactly right. It, obviously, us Thunder fans um, at, you know Reggie Jackson well and mm-hmm. um, was playing some great basketball for us. Went to Detroit, kind of battled some injuries, wasn't in an ideal situation. And uh, you're right, when he came and was playing with the Clippers with his good friend Paul George, you know, he's mm-hmm. playing some of the best basketball he has he had played really since being traded. Right. And um, so hopefully, like you said, if he does trend downward, maybe it's just back to the median um, and, and not quite as low as we saw in Detroit. But I think those yeah. are great answers. Um, and speaking of kind of changes and changes in play, just the team as a whole, are there any big changes you expect when they take the court again? You know, something that I've kind of heard is um, something that you kind of mentioned, you know, the Clippers being a team that can really match up well with 
almost any of these contenders. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard some people talk about like them going small with Montrez at center, or like you said, maybe like Marcus Morris. Like they have some of these big guys who can play so many different positions, very versatile. So do you see any like new lineups, um, conditioning, styles of play, the chemistry, uh, et cetera? Yeah, I think a new lineup could definitely be uh, happening here. Like you mentioned, the small ball thing. Doc Rivers has alluded to that a bit uh, in the couple past couple weeks that he's been on Orlando doing media availability and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know who it's going to be at the five. It could be Montrez. It could be someone like Marcus Morris. It could also be someone like uh, Jamichael Green, who played a lot of center uh, against the Warriors in last year's playoff series. He was pretty great there. Uh, but that was also something that came by necessity because Ivica Zubats was played off the floor against Golden State last season. Uh, I think he's made some real strides to improve this year. I think he's a terrific player defensively. Um, does a really great job of forcing guys uh, away from the rim and paired with guys like Kawhi and PJ on the perimeter. Um, he's someone that can help force guys in taking bad shots. He's also a lot more efficient on the rim this season. So if they do go small, I won't be surprised. But I'd also like to see them go more traditional with someone like Zoo at the five. Uh, I think he's done a really, really great job this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think so as well. And has really shown an improvement um, being able to bang down low with some of those bigger guys. I, I think you're exactly right. And uh, I love those answers. You know, Jamichael Green is somebody I hadn't really thought of. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of got forgotten about this season with all these stars. And you're right. I think it, it'd be fun to see him come out and uh, kind of get to run with, with these guys and, and see kind of how the style of play changes for the Clippers. So um, another great answer. Now, you kind of alluded to this earlier. You're feeling pretty confident, and rightfully so. But go ahead. If you're ready, give me your playoff prediction for the Clippers. How many rounds? How many games? What are you thinking? So I think this is the year they make it to the NBA Finals. Um, I feel pretty confident about that. I think they're going to handle the first two rounds relatively easily. Obviously, that Conference Finals matchup, I'm I'm guessing it's against the Lakers this year. Right. Um, I would be surprised if it's not against the Lakers. Uh, That's going to be an incredible series. I could see that going either way. But based on what we saw during the season uh, and the fact that when the Clippers were healthy, they looked really great against the Lakers. Um, a little bit of bias as well. i got to give that one to the <laughs> Clippers. Okay. Um, and then the, the NBA Finals, I'm back and forth on this. I think it's going to be Clippers and Bucks. I don't see, I mean, Milwaukee was just so dominant this year. There's some dark horses. I like Boston. I like Toronto. Um, I think Philly, if they can get that new lineup working with Ben Simmons, the four, that could be interesting as well. True. Um, but I think it's going to be Clippers, Bucks in the finals. And you know, depending on the day, you'll have me saying Clippers in seven, Bucks in seven, Clippers in six. I'm feeling really confident. Um, I think it's just going to be a coin flip, man. Yeah, no, that's very fair. Um, the Clippers do have two, maybe the only players in the entire league who can uh, can have success, at, at least at times, guarding Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're exactly right there. And then, you know, uh, you just said something that kind of uh, sparked my memory. You know, you mentioned the Boston Celtics uh, potentially being a surprise team to dethrone, or not dethrone, but to knock off the Milwaukee Bucks. And there was a heck of a matchup between y- your Clippers and the uh, Boston Celtics there before the hiatus where Jason Tatum oh, yeah. went crazy and uh, just some incredible basketball being played on both ends. Yeah, you know, both Clippers and Celtics games this year were fantastic. That second one, Jason Tatum blew up in. Uh, the first one, the Clippers, I think, were down by, I want to say, 15 or 20 in the third quarter oh, wow. and ended up winning that game by, like, 11 or 15 points. It was, I think, one of the best games of the season. Uh, both of those games were fantastic. I would love a Clippers-Celtics finals if that's what it came down to. Oh, yeah, that'd be a blast. But like you <clears throat> said, so with the Milwaukee matchup, um, yeah. I, I'm with you. I think that's a seven-game series either way. It just would be a blast. So, All right, well, I got one last question for you, and it's a fun one. Um, okay. We're going to be back. You know, We're obviously in this Disney bubble. Um on Disney World, on the Worldwide Sports Campus. So wouldn't it be right if uh, we didn't ask this before we got out of here? I'm going to name a Disney character. Actually, I'm going to name five of them. And you tell me who from your team most closely matches or resembles this character. And we left this very open uh, open, and, and you know, as take it however way you want to. Um, and we'll just have fun with it. So um, the first one I have here is the one you always have to go with, Mickey Mouse. You know, kind of the, the icon of Disney. Um, who's the Mickey of the Los Angeles Clippers in your opinion? Oof. <laughs> Mickey of the Clippers, man. Uh, well, I think if you're talking Mickey, that's someone that's, you know, the headline act. That's the star of the show. I got to go Kawhi. Oh, okay, yeah, there you go. I like it. I like it. Um, let's see. What about Simba? Is there, like, kind of a rising uh, rising king, uh, a young king on the Clippers that you kind of have your eye on that you think could resemble Simba? Simba, I would go with Patrick Beverly, actually, just because of his, his, uh, his story, kind of his way. He took the NBA, uh, came from, you know, pretty – Difficult background, played yeah. in uh, overseas for a while, and now he's you know 
one of yeah, the most important the guys on a championship roster. So I love it. That's a good one. Uh, let's go with Hercules. Who's kind of the muscle guy on the team? Montrez Hero. Montrez, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's kind of an easy one, but yeah, I, I, absolutely, I, I like that. I think that's you have to go that way. Yeah. Um, what about Tigger? Who's kind of like the explosive, energetic guy on the team? I'll give that one to Lou Williams. He's someone that can come in and make an impact right away uh, pretty quickly. So I, I give that to, to Lou. And he's like kind of small, but like just freakishly athletic. <laughs> like yeah, he definitely. can just fly, uh, especially when he was younger. I like that one. It's really good. And the last one I'm going to give you here is Lightning McQueen from Cars. Kind of a guy who kind of had to work his way back up to the top and super fast, speedy. And for talking about someone that's fast, I'd say Landry Shamit. Uh, he's okay. someone that is very, very quick up and on the court. Uh, I, he's not a great defender, I'll say that, but he is someone that I think can stick in front of his opponents really well, uh, gets on the court really well, um, you know, quick to get out to the three-point line and take those those uh, big-time shots. So I'd, I'd say Landry for Lightning. I love it. That's that's good stuff. Well, Gator, I think that's all I got for you. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, do you have anything else you want to discuss before uh, before you get to watch some actual Clippers basketball tomorrow? I, you know, I think one of the – I'm really, really, really hoping the Clippers and Thunder meet in the playoffs this year. Oh, uh, fun. Not just for the history, but I think those two teams match up really well. Uh, the games this season were great, uh, but the history, of course, is, is a big part of it. Makes uh, it more fun. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, Chris Paul is there. Uh, Shakeholds Alexander is there. Adonai Gallinari is there. And on our side, you got PG and PG, you got right. Jackson. There's so much history here. I think it would make for a really great matchup. Oh, that's so true. You mentioned some underrated match or some underrated storylines there that I didn't even think of. You know, obviously Chris Paul um, and, and the Clippers and the history there, and like Reggie Jackson, and then the obvious ones like being the most recent and the trades and stuff. And you know, it's been really fun uh, kind of watching these two teams and how they how they've navigated different obstacles this season and. I mean, looking back on that trade, and I don't know, hopefully you feel the same way, but I feel like it was an extremely equal trade. I mean, if you're a team like the Clippers, you do that trade 10 times out of 10 because you get two mega stars. And if you're the Thunder, you just get an incredible draft haul. And I think something for us Thunder fans that was kind of underrated is we knew Shea was an up-and-coming really good player, and we were kind of excited to see what he was going to mold into, but we had Mm -hmm. no idea what to expect. And it kind of was like, look at all these draft picks we got when the deal Mm -hmm. first happened. Now it's like, we have Shea Gills-Alexander. Oh, yeah, and we got some draft picks. So yeah, um, it's funny, you know, looking back on it a year later and, and how perspectives change, I guess. Yeah, yeah, Shea is a very special player. That's that's the one thing that I think I, I, I didn't love about the trade, just having to give up someone like him. He's a rising star. Uh, we all loved his personality, the right. way he plays. He's right. a fantastic player. Yeah, well, that's awesome to hear. And you guys obviously got two incredible players, and uh, – rooting for you guys hopefully you can pull it off knock off the bucks and the lakers yeah i appreciate it <laughs> well thanks again garrett uh, like i said we really appreciate you coming on that was some awesome content we had a lot of fun so guys be sure to go and follow garrett uh, and follow all of his work you can find him he's a writer and editor at allclippers.com which is a sports Ill- the, the sports illustrate <laughs> i can't talk illustrated team site uh, for the los angeles clippers he also has been editor at Clipperholics with fan-sided wear testers and locks on Clippers, so you can probably find some of his old work there as well. And you can find him on Twitter at G-A-C-H-O-R-P-E-N-N-I-N-G, because if I say Garrett uh, Corpening, people are going to be like, how do you spell that? Um, <laughs> so thanks again, Garrett, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully get to talk to you soon. Maybe preview a, uh, a playoff series like you mentioned. For sure. Thanks again, man. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners with BetOnline. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. On the entertainment side, Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team to bring you a brand new segment, The Ice is Right. Floyd talks about all his jewelry and gives you the chance to bet on the cost of his bling to win some great prizes. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-the-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's all one word, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Now let's get you over to our last interview of the day. Nick sat down with TJ McBride to talk about the Denver Nuggets. All right, guys, up next on Under the Bubble, we have TJ McBride. He is a Nuggets beat writer for Mile High Sports, as well as the host of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, uh, which is also part of the Blue Wire Network. TJ, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm keeping some semblance of my sanity as I sit inside and stare at these gray walls for most of my days. But, you know, I'm getting there. You start to get used to this insane reality that we're currently living within. So slowly but surely getting there. 
Yeah, well, hey, well, now that you're getting used to it, NBA is finally coming back, so you'll have something to uh, to look forward to at least over these next couple weeks. Especially because the basketball, like, we have no idea what to expect. Like, we all pride ourselves as basketball people to have some idea of some trends. I don't think anybody has any concrete anything that they can say with any certainty right now. It's just going to be completely wait and see how it goes. So that's the part I'm excited about. What does this completely unprecedented situation actually look like when basketball starts to be played? I really can't wait to see what that looks like. I mean, we can pretend like we have some sort of insight or, or can guess what's going to happen. No, but the, the reality is this has never happened before. We've had some similar situations with the lockout and uh, things like that in the past, but this is truly unprecedented, like you said. So speaking on the Nuggets specifically, you know, they're, they're 43 and 22, good for third in the Western Conference. Uh, they finished out their last 10 games, five and five. Uh, they're not too far from the Clippers, just a game and a half back for that two seed. But they've also got the Jazz, Thunder, and Rockets, just a game and a half or two and a half games, uh, respectively, behind them. So they've, they've got a lot of work to do in the bubble. These final eight games are going to have a lot to say about their final seeding. Um, what are your general thoughts on on the hiatus for for Denver in general? You mentioned it's hard to say you know, what these teams are going to look like, but but what has been your takeaway overall over these past few months with Skinny Jokic and, and everything else going on? It's so hard to quantify, like you said, and I really feel like I've said I don't know 50 different ways over the past three months. But when I've really kind of taken a step back and tried to account for what skills work for this Nuggets team and what could translate in a very unpredictable setting, I start looking at, well, Nikola Jokic is a basketball savant. I don't think there is any situation in which Nikola Jokic is on a basketball court and does not know what to do. I don't think there's going to be any kind of pull there. And on top of that, the Nuggets starting um, five is the most played five-man lineup in basketball by like 300 minutes so they have a continuity and a chemistry with each other around arguably the smartest basketball player today which I think will make them just fine offensively the other interesting part of this is even though Denver went five and five in those last 10 games before the hiatus of the season uh, Gary Harris looked phenomenal. He was shooting like 70% from the corners in those 10 games, shot like 55% from three on like six attempts a game. And that is so important for this Nuggets team. And the reason I bring that up is that I think the reason Gary Harris looked so good in those moments was because he was injured before the All-Star break. He then got through the All-Star break while healthy and came back into the post-All-Star All-Star break stretch fully ready to go with a lot of rest on his body. And suddenly you finally saw that shot start to fall. So when I start looking at the Nuggets team about what could potentially be good or bad for them, those are the two things that I feel confident in. Gary Harris getting rest is going to help Gary Harris. And Nikola Jokic will be Nikola Jokic, whether he's playing on a concrete court in Sambor, Serbia, whether he's in a bubble in Orlando, or whether he's in the playoffs <laughs> at the Pepsi Center. Like, it is what it is for him. So that's kind of where I'm looking at it. There's not a whole lot I can really quantify but those are the two things that I do have some faith in going forward it's funny because on a recent uh, uncontested podcast one of our guys Taylor uh, had mentioned the Nuggets as a team that he feels most confident in mostly because their their core of guys especially in that starting unit have been playing together for you know two three four years whereas you look at a team like the Clippers or even the Lakers or some of these other teams, Rockets, these guys that are that are part of their core haven't played together for quite so long. So going on a four-month break might affect the Nuggets slightly less than some of those other teams. Would you agree? I, I agree with that, but we got to kind of take into account more context here. Yes, the Clippers have not had the same time to gel as the Nuggets, but they also have Kawhi Leonard. And just those kinds of things just end the conversation more often than not. Like, Denver can't do anything to defend Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is going to be just fine because that dude is the Terminator who is a robot who has been sent here to destroy all basketball as we know it. So for <laughs> me, like, I don't I, – I, I understand the argument, but when you start just saying LeBron – Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, you start to just remove a lot of the um, uncertainty about those teams in a chemistry sense. Because when you get to the playoffs, it's about top-end talent. It's not about your ninth and 10th guys. It's not about how you mesh your bench unit and starting unit as much. It's about what can you get from the guys that you were paying to help you win basketball games. 
And I think that that is just going to be one of those things that is going to be difficult to deal with in this bubble scenario is that talent might just prevail full stop. If these guys are just really as good as we think they are, they are going to have the leg up just to go out there and handle their business. So while I do agree with the, with the overall idea in a general sense, I wonder when you start adding context, if you're really able to put them ahead of other teams that have a Kawhi, that have a LeBron, that have a Giannis. Sure. No, fair, fair enough. So before we start talking more on, um, you know, the next eight games and even into the playoffs, I want to touch a little bit more on what's happened so far this season. So my question to you is, if you had to give me three highlights for the season so far, whether that be, you know, someone stepping up on defense more than you thought, somebody uh, developing a bit quicker than you thought, someone taking that next step, what would the two highlights be for this Denver Nuggets team, in your opinion, this season so far? I'll start chronologically at the very start of the season. For the first month of the season, the Nuggets were the number one ranked defense in basketball. There was a lot of noisy statistics around it. They gave up a lot of corner threes. Teams missed a lot of shots against them. But when you watch the film of what they were able to do, I really feel that the Nuggets show that they have a different top-end talent defensively than anybody fully understood, including myself watching this team for as many years as I have. So I think that is a very important part especially when you start looking at how this team is able to operate in a playoff setting. That's something that I am always going to be looking towards. Um, the other thing that I think I'm going to add into this is not necessarily a particular time, but the addition of Jeremy Grant might not raise their floor a lot, but their ceiling in a playoff atmosphere is significantly higher. Having a power forward who can rotate from the weak side, block shots, defend wings on the perimeter one-on-one, -on -one, and can also hit 40% of their threes while being an, an above-the-rim lob threat, you don't find players like that. They just don't exist. So being able to add him to this mixture, it just raises their ceiling so much. And the third thing I'm going to say is what Nikola Jokic was able to do in the month of February. He averaged 25.5 points, 10 rebounds, and 7.2 assists per game while shooting 65% from the field and 35% from three. He became completely and utterly unstoppable whenever he wanted to. He had a 30-20-10 game in that stretch. Like The guy is completely out of his mind and what it reminded me of was what he was able to do in the playoffs at every single moment people tend to forget Nikola Jokic had arguably one of the greatest playoff debuts a player has ever had his numbers that he averaged throughout those first two series of the playoffs have only ever been matched by Oscar Robertson so when you start talking about the big O and Nikola Jokic in his debut and then I look at those numbers and I see it backed up again for an entire month I start to believe again that Nikola Jokic has a gear that he can just whenever he decides to just drop it in the sixth turn it up a big notch and just destroy whoever he wants. That's when you start seeing real potential top five ability out of Nikola. And I think that is probably the third thing that I would throw into that conversation. Yeah, he's special. And, and on the topic of Jeremy Grant, I mean, Thunder fans certainly remember this. Yep. Last year in the playoffs, um, I mean, he, he was excellent. He was a guy that shot, I want to say, close to, to 45% on, on three and a half or four three-point attempts a game. I mean, he was he was spectacular. He came out a little bit slow, but but towards the end of that series, I mean, he was he was great. And I think you're exactly right. A guy like that in the playoffs with his versatility is going to be excellent for this Denver team. Um, next question I'll ask you is, is definitely leading more into these next eight games. Have you taken much of a deep dive into the actual schedule and, and what these eight games look like, who the opponents are, um, you know, what time of day, is it on a back-to-back? -back? Have you taken a deep dive into there? And, and if so, how do you feel about the schedule itself? Yes, I have looked at it. Um, I'm not going to say that I spent all of my time to try and, you know, parse out what could be important in each individual game, because honestly, I don't feel like these games are going to be that important. This is just, again, this is Summer League on steroids. That's all that we're going to be getting here. So trying to get some massive takeaway from the sloppiest basketball that we might have ever seen from professionals is not something that I'm fully on board with yet. But with that being said, when you take it a step back and look at those eight games as a whole, the Nuggets have five games off the bat that are decently winnable. I'm not saying they're going to win all of them, but the problem is, is that after those first five games, you get the Clippers, the Lakers, and the, Ra and the Raptors. So 
you don't want to lose in those first five games. If you go three and two and suddenly your fate is up to, oh, are the Lakers going to try tonight? Oh, are the Clippers going to try tonight? Oh, are the Raptors going to try tonight? Then suddenly you talk about falling out of that three seed. So I think my only real takeaway is the Nuggets need to get their work done early. And I am concerned about that. This Nuggets team is not a team that is known to start quickly, whether it's out of the all-star break, whether it's to start the season, whether it's out of a hiatus. They are just not known as a team who comes in rolling. They're not the Miami Heat. If the Nuggets play the Miami Heat game one, and the Heat are going to punch them in the mouth, in my opinion. It's going to be one of those eye-opening moments of, oh, it doesn't matter that you're in a bubble. The Heat come to play basketball no matter what, and you have to deal with that. So I think Denver needs to win in those first five games. If you leave it up to chance and the Lakers, Clippers, and Raptors are waiting for you, you might suddenly have yourself in a worse position going forward. If you had to guess... What seed do the do the uh, the Nuggets end up in? I mean, with eight games and it being a game and a half difference between the fourth seed and the second seed, I think Denver will end up staying in the three seed. I don't think the Clippers or the Jazz are going to be selling out to win their eight games going forward in the seeding rounds. So I do think that we're going to see most of the top half of the Western Conference playoff picture stay exactly as it is. Agreed. I definitely think that that. The the one two three in my opinion will stay the same. It's it's four through seven and potentially eight that's going to be doing some of the flip flopping. So, it, I I think I think you've already kind of touched on who the X factor is, um, whether it be Jokic or Harris. So, I'm going to ask you who do you think is an underrated player or an underrated name that people aren't really talking about right now, but you think are going to be a major X factor for this team in the playoffs. I I don't know if it will be a major X factor because it comes down to coaching decision, but we need to talk about what Michael Porter Jr. can bring to the table. This is something that I, again, I have absolutely no way of quantifying, but when you watch what Michael Porter Jr. can do on a basketball floor, the it factor that everyone talks about, it just screams off of him. I just haven't seen somebody at that size look so natural on a basketball court after not playing basketball for two full years. So when I start looking at Lakers matchups and Clippers matchups, and you know if they somehow get to the finals, a Bucks matchup or, a, or the Raptors matchup, you need a jumbo wing who isn't a power forward, small forward, a true legitimate wing who can be that jumbo variety. And Michael Porter Jr fits that role he's not good defensively he's still learning how to play offensive basketball at the NBA level but the Nuggets do not have anybody else like him and I think that they might need to dip into their reserves get Michael Porter Jr. some minutes to be able to uh, keep the bench unit afloat offensively and to also just add a bit of size and to create more mismatches. I don't know how X's and O's nerdy you are like me but the Nuggets run a C corner um, set where they basically set a guard sets a screen on Michael Porter Jr.'s guy in the corner, and all he does is just curl straight to the rim. Because he's 6'11", it's an automatic bucket every time. Those kinds of matchups win you playoff series. So I really think that the Nuggets need to find a way to get him involved early, and then he can become that X factor that nobody is expecting. So on that topic, you know, some teams, I feel like, with, with the hiatus and coming back, it's an opportunity for them to change schemes and change rotations and, and make some tweaks that were completely different from the regular season just because you're in a unique situation where you can do that and try new things. Do you see the Nuggets doing anything new, or do you see them sticking to their guns and rolling with what they rolled with throughout the regular season to this point um, going forward? The only, I guess, quote-unquote new thing I could see them doing, which isn't even new, it's just letting go of the offense. Michael Malone does this thing with Nikola Jokic where it's very difficult to build around Nikola and to understand exactly what you're going to get. It shouldn't be, but as a coach, he's so unique. It's very difficult to be able to know exactly what is coming. So that's been a little bit more of a structured offense in the regular season than anybody expected. So I assume that when Nikola Jokic really takes the initiative in the playoffs, which he always does in big games, you're going to see the offense become much more of that read and react 
quick pace, quick decision making, um, you know, six pass kind of possessions going forward, as opposed to a lot of the structured offense that you saw from them in the regular season. So I don't know if it's new, but it's not something that was common throughout the regular season. So I think that's what I'm expecting to see is Nikola Jokic really take full control of this offense because he knows he needs to going forward in a playoff setting when in the regular season, he really just didn't need to. They can kind of just let things go, still win enough games and be ready for this moment here. So that's kind of what I'm expecting. I'm not sure how much of it will get. There's always kind of a a polarizing poll between the two of them of structured offense, loose offense, where do both fit within the middle? And I think that's going to be the interesting narrative and something that does develop in the playoffs going forward. I like it. Playoff Jokic. Let's see it. So everything we've talked about kind of comes into this last question here. Uh, Last basketball question, I should say. Um, Give me your playoff prediction. How many rounds do the Nuggets go? Um, How many games in that final round that you have them losing, if any, do you have them losing in? What, What is your... What is your prediction for how the playoffs go for this team? Man, you got me throwing darts in the dark right now. But at the same time, I do think Denver should win their first round matchup. If they do not win their first round matchup, there are going to be some serious discussions in Denver about what they need to do to be able to get to that next level in terms of talent. In my opinion... If you end up playing the Lakers or the Clippers in the second round and you lose, it's not a failure of the season. Those two teams are just so incredible that I don't think that that would be a negative, but I also think that that is where their season ends. If they play one of the Clippers or the Lakers in the, in the second round, which is basically inevitable if the, if the seeding stays as is, I don't think Denver gets past one of those two teams. So I would say Denver loses in six to either of them, but I do imagine they will get through the first round. If they find a way to beat the Lakers or the Clippers, I am going to hesitantly take the Nuggets in seven games in the finals. This team thrives on that confidence and that boost in morale. They're young. I mean, how many young teams have you seen get that miraculous win and they just start rolling? So I really do think Denver could be one of those teams, but they have to find a way to get past those albatrosses that are the Clippers and the Lakers. Yeah, they're special, and people do forget how young they are. The the core guys on this roster outside of, you know, like a Paul Millsap, these guys are young, and and if they stay in Denver, they're going to be good for a really, really, really long time. People forget this is the third youngest roster when the season started this year in all of basketball, and they are still for the second year in a row in a home court advantage, quote-unquote, situation right now. So that's very, very impressive in my eyes. And they've got two of the the highest upside or – highest potential ceiling flyer type of guys in Bull Bull and Michael Porter Jr. that that could also be spectacular down the road as well. I have no idea what Bull Bull was going to be, but I don't care. I just want to see it. I remember (laughs) sitting one time courtside with Tim Connolly before a game and just kind of like randomly having small talk. And I was just asking about Bull Bull and what he thought, not trying to dig for anything. And I will never forget him telling me, why don't you think you can play small forward? And I, I had to hold in a laugh. Because Bull Bull at small forward with Michael <laughs> Porter at the four and Nikola Jokic at the five? Like, what kind of reality did I just fall into? So, it's I don't know what Bull Bull is going to be. The Nuggets are not putting him in a box, which I find very, very cool. And I just can't wait to see it, man. Like, Bull Bull has serious, serious skill. I was told he might be the best shooter on the team. That's crazy to That me. is nuts. That's awesome. So... Outside of, of true basketball analysis, we've been doing with this with all of our, our guests for Under the Bubble. We're going to play a quick game since we're resuming the season in Disney World. I'm going to give you a Disney character. I'm going to choose three, four, five, depending on, on how much time we have. And you're going to tell me which player from the Nuggets most closely matches. Okay, I will give this a good shot. So we'll start out with Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Buzz Lightyear. I am going to, I'm going to say Nikola Jokic. He's kind of flighty, doesn't fully understand exactly the tone of the room, but yet always finds a way to get it done. So I'm going to go with Nikola Jokic. That's exactly who I was going to say. Uh, next up, we've got Scar from The Lion King. Oh, Scar. I'm going to go with Paul Millsap because he got headbutted so hard this year that he has a scar on his forehead now. No other reason than that. 
Love it. So next up, we've got the greatest of all time, Mickey Mouse. Ooh, Mickey Mouse. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Michael Porter Jr. because I don't think anybody loves their own smile as much as Michael Porter Jr. And that whole happy, giddy, go lucky attitude is 100% the same. Love it. The last one, and we'll get out of here. We'll do Goofy. Goofy. Um, I'm going to go with Tori Craig because the stuff that comes out of that dude's mouth, you would never expect it. You're in the locker room and it's like all of the media whips around at once trying to figure out who the heck just said whatever they just said. So I'm going to go with the complete chaos of Tory Craig. That'll work for me. Well, cool. Thank you so much, TJ, for jumping on again. Uh, TJ is a Nuggets beat writer for Mile High Sports. He's also the host of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast here at Blue Wire Pods. Give him a follow on Twitter. It's at TJ McBride NBA. TJ, appreciate it. We'll be in touch soon. Always a pleasure, man. Enjoy basketball and stay safe. Hey, once again, thanks to our guests for this week, both Garrett and TJ. Absolutely phenomenal. Loved listening to their conversations with both Taylor and Nick. Make sure you guys go give them a follow on social media. Check out their work because they do great stuff. We hope you enjoyed this week of Under the Bubble. One week left, guys, as the Thunder have their official first scrimmage Friday afternoon. And then games get started the following weekend. So we're almost there. We will have next Wednesday's final Under the Bubble episode. We'll feature an interview for the Lakers. And then all of your favorite uncontested hosts breaking down the Oklahoma City Thunder Under the Bubble Quick programming note, we will be with you for our typical Friday podcast, but we'll drop an episode late Friday after the Thunder scrimmage for our first post game in Orlando. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be great. We're going to get to talk about live basketball for the first time in over four months. I can't wait. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. Stay safe. Wear your masks. Wash your hands. And get ready for some hoops because we're almost there. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.